Well, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Ah, there you are. There you are. I thought maybe your microphones were turned off. <clears throat> Start with a Merry Christmas to you. Yeah, the next time we see each other, you will have uh, tore your house completely apart and hopefully have it rebuilt by the time we see each other again. But I was thinking as I studied for this sermon, the gift exchange, I was wondering this morning, how many of you got all your shopping done? All of it, I mean all of it, including the spouse next to you. You've bought all their gifts already, and they're under the tree. Pam, I see that hand. I see that hand. Isn't it crazy this time of year? We take everything in one month. We put every, we're already on this crazy cycle of schedule. And we take in one month. And we do it every year. It's amazing to me. Every year we do it. That is correct. Thank you, someone's saying Tiffano, they're preaching with me. All right, so here's the thing. So we do this every year, and we just build it up, build it up, build it up, and we put all this effort into that one month, and it's all gone in a day. It's all gone in a day, isn't it? And I love Christmas. It's my favorite time of year. I love it. And so I was thinking about that. I'm like, man, I hope you got your shopping done and all of that. How many of you, don't have to answer out loud, how many of you remember what you got for Christmas last year? Thank you, Pam, again. That's an organized individual. And Scott, I saw that hand. How many of you remember what you got for Christmas five years ago? Yeah, that's the whole point. I, I'm going to talk to you to, this morning about a gift and a gift exchange that when you receive this gift, you'll never forget it. Amen. This year, on Christmas Day and Christmas Eve, whatever your tradition is, millions upon millions of gifts will be opened. Maybe not in your individual households, but worldwide. Millions of gifts will be opened and shared exchanged some won't fit properly some will be the wrong color the wrong style you'll get a sweater from someone that you're like what were they thinking when they bought me that right and you will be buying them things that they're going to take home and they're going to say to their husband or wife what were they thinking when they bought me that it goes both ways And a lot of those gifts will be returned. A lot of them will keep UPS and Amazon continuing back and forth from your house to their warehouses again after Christmas, probably for weeks. That's what happens. That's just what happens. And that's normal. It's normal. This is happens every year. But there's a gift that everyone needs. Truly needs. Everyone needs this gift. A gift that will never wear out. A gift that is fit for the ages. It's a gift for all ages. 
You might say that it's a one-size-fits-all gift. No matter what age you are, if you're at an age where you can understand simple English or simple whatever your native language is, it's available to you. And it's available to you this morning. It's actually why we celebrate Christmas. We celebrate the gift that God provided us in that manger. Where'd our manger go? Okay, there it is, under the bleep. Sorry. So, in a manger, thank you, somebody pointed that out to me. The gift of Jesus Christ. It's, it's a gift provided by God the Father. And we find it in Jesus Christ, his Son. So that we, through faith in him, could be forgiven of our sins and receive eternal life. So we came to talk about this morning. You, you might have thought I was just going to read Luke 1 or 2 to you and, and then we'd go home. And I'd explain a little bit about it and we'd go home. No, 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 we're going to talk about the gift and the exchange of that gift. And it's an indescribable gift. I preached last year. I was going to ask you that. How many of you remember what I preached on last year at Christmas time? And I know you wouldn't remember because you can't remember what gift you got. But we preached on the indescribable gift of Jesus Christ last year. He's an indescribable gift. He's like no other gift you'll ever receive. I said he's like no other gift you'll ever receive. And here's the wonderful thing. He's not available to just some of you. He's not available just to the elite, the upper class. He's not available to just those who have money or, or prestige. He's available to everyone. Everyone. So that's what we want to talk about this morning. And I only have 38 minutes left. And I'm going to tell you right now, we could be here till next year at this time and not get description of this indescribable gift. But we're going to try anyway in the next 37 minutes to do something with it. Pastor Tim Ballstrom last week, or two weeks ago now, let me give you the heading of this one. There's the first point I want to make. What it costs, what it costs for the gift exchange to take place. You know, in order for a gift to happen, there's a sacrifice that has to be involved. This morning, if you bought presents for your children or for your spouse or your brother or your sister, your mom, your dad, if you bought a present for them, there is a sacrifice that took place. Now, you may not look at it that way, but I certainly did as I studied this. Because you have to sacrifice your time to go look for that gift. You have to sacrifice the financial aspect of it to buy the gift. You bring it home. You wrap it up. You put it under the tree. You put their name on it. You sacrificed a whole lot to get that gift under the tree. Now, it seems trivial in America because we have throwaway money available to us, a lot of us do. Or you can just do it online now. It's so simple. You don't even have to leave your house. But let's talk about what it costs the Father and what it costs the Son to provide the gift that we all desperately needed. We find that in Philippians chapter 2. 
We're going to do a little Bible gymnastics today. We're going to find out if you've been really reading your Bible so that you can figure out where to go in the Bible and see if you can keep up. And we're going to see if I can keep up. Philippians 2. Listen to this. This is an identification of what Christ gave up to come. To be wrapped in flesh, as Pastor Tim presented to us a couple weeks ago. I felt like we needed to go back over it because some of you weren't here. Here's what it says. Therefore, if there is any encouragement, we're in verse 1 of chapter 2. If there's any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. I'm going to stop there just for a half a second. If you could just do that, what a gift you would be to those around you. We press on. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Now here it is. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus is the one that was in the manger. The birth of Christ Jesus took place. Listen to what his attitude was. Who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bond servant and being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. What did it cost the Savior? Well, he gave up being God. He counted it nothing to be God, to come and take flesh and be born in a manger of a vir- be born of a virgin and placed in a manger. No high and lofty place for him to come to. He went as low as low could be. The cost was a high one for the Son to come to the earth, to be Emmanuel, to be God with us. So in every gift, there's a giver. If there's just a gift and there's no giver, you don't, if you don't have a giver, you don't have a gift. That's the way it works. So who's the giver of this child? It's the Father. And here's, listen, listen. The giver of the gift and the gift. We identify the giver of this indescribable gift in a famous passage that most of you know by memory. Most of you have heard this passage. And most of you learned it in Sunday school if you were in church at all. Or you've, you've learned it over the years. It's the, the verse that if you ever watched Billy Graham, he always landed on this verse. It seemed like he always talked about this verse. For God so loved the world that he withheld his son. No, that he gave his only begotten, his one and only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, 
but have eternal life. One verse, and we see the giver. Who's the giver? God. What does he give? The Son. And what do you have to do? Look, whoever believes is the recipient of the gift. I received this gift at five years of age. I didn't have any idea what the hypostatic union meant. But I knew I needed a Savior. This morning, if you're here and you are somewhat intelligible, you can read and write, you can understand English, you know you need a Savior this morning. Don't come here and tell me, oh, I don't need anything. Oh, yes, you do. You do know you need a Savior. It's in you. God has put a morality within us that says we need something beyond us. So if you would believe on this son, if you would believe that he came, that he was here and he lived out 33 years of his life fulfilling the law, being perfect in every way, going to a cross. You want to know what else it cost him? He went to a cross on your behalf. It didn't stop in a manger. It continued on. If it had been just in a manger and stopped, there would be no salvation. So he went from the manger. He went, he lived his life. He ministered to those around him. He proved, he showed them he, who God was. He talked about the Father. He gave every word that came out of his mouth came from the Father. And he shared that so that you might know the Father. And what happens when you receive this gift? What happens? It's in the passage. Eternal life. You're guaranteed you won't perish. If you're here this morning and you don't know that, oh, oh, I'd love to give you a Christmas gift. One aspect is you won't perish. But you know what? There's, it's interesting. Not perishing is not enough. Yeah, okay, I'm not going to perish. What does that mean? Am I stuck here on the earth forever with you guys? No, thank you. My wife doesn't even want to live with me forever. Don't say amen. Not perishing is one thing, but giving you eternal life. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. What a gift. What a gift. And it doesn't end there. It doesn't end there. You receive him, yes, and you immediately, when you place saving faith, full trust in God, the one who gives you the faith to believe, and we'll talk about that in a minute, but when you do that, it's instantaneous. You now are not going to perish. You're going to have everlasting life. He said, those that believe in me, in John 8, 51, those that place faith in me will never, never, never see death. If you're here today and you know him, you're not going to see death. Your body will stop. But don't worry. You go up to be with him immediately to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Amen. So you'll be with him immediately and someday you're coming back with him. Yeah. 
Those of you who are ahead of me in age, there's no guarantee you'll leave before me. I could die today. But I'm just saying, in the, in the uh, chronological order of things, you're going to get there before me probably. And I'm going to get there before a lot of you. And I'm going to rub it in your face because I'm going to celebrate with him longer than you. But he also does this. He gives you something while you're here. He doesn't just save you and say, okay, now you have eternal life. Go ahead and live your life. Good luck. He doesn't do that. He says, to believe in the Son, it establishes a friendship. He calls us his friend. Doesn't he? In John 15, 15, he said this. He establishes a friendship with you, a relationship, and a fellowship with him. Listen to what he says in 15, 15. I no longer call you servants. And he's talking to his disciples. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not, does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I learned from my father, I have made known to you. That's what you do with friends. You share things with them. You share important truths with them. Don't call your neighbor your friend if you won't share Christ with them. We also see Jesus praying in John 17, 3. Look at it. We just went over John 17, but probably half of you weren't here. That was said very facetiously. What's he say there in three? This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That you may know him. Right now you can know him. You say, well, I can't see him. I, I, I've never been able to, what we call, press flesh with him. I've never been able to shake his hand or give him a hug. Well, that's true. Neither have I. But he's as real as the day is long. You know what? I've never met the president, but I believe he lives. I believe there was an Abraham Lincoln. Huh? Don't you? Don't tell me you have to see him to believe it. That's not true. Later on in John 17, listen to this. This is an incredible truth I saw. You've probably seen it yourself, so you're going to not be blown away by this. But in John 17, in verse 24, he says this, Father, I desire that they also, they also is us, those who are the elect, those who believe, those who know him. He says, I desire that they also whom you have given me be with me where I am, so that they may see my glory which, I, which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. This is Christ talking. Listen to that. We get the gift of Jesus Christ if you want him. If you want the gift, it's available to you. You get that. But look what happens in turn. And, and it's before you were ever born, this was written. He's saying, you gave them to me. We're his gift. We're the son's gift. Hello? So not only do we receive Christ, but Christ gets a gift in us. Now look, I don't know about you, but I know me. I think I got the better gift. Amen? 
You can amen that. I, it's true about me. I don't know about you, but for me, I know I got the better gift. This begs a question at this point. And usually you're going to say, like those of you who are long-time church people, are going to go, you're going to do that right now? This is in the middle of the service. Yes, I'm going to do it right now. This begs a question at this point. Have you received the gift? Amen. Have you received the gift? If you haven't, do, do you have, or if you have, do you have this relationship? You might say to yourself, well, I received him when I was seven years old. I prayed by the bedside with my mom and dad. But that relationship thing that you were talking about, I don't quite understand that. Hmm. Do you have that relationship with Jesus Christ? Can, can you call him your friend? Can you, can you say that you know him? Is he revealing himself when you read your Bible? Or if you read your Bible, but when you do read your Bible, I hope you're reading your Bible. I hope you don't depend on coming on Sunday for your only spiritual food. If this is what you're depending on, is this only for your spiritual food, this is why you're not growing. If I only eat once a week, I'm going to starve to death. You can tell I eat more than once a week. I'm just challenging you on that. If your answer to these questions is, no, I don't have this kind of relationship. I don't know him the way you're talking. Pastor, I can't see. Why do you get so excited about this stuff? Are you kidding me? Why aren't you excited about it? If you can't say unequivocally yes to these questions, if you can't say, yes, I have a relationship with him. He is my friend. I know Jesus Christ. I placed faith in him in 1979. I know him. I've never been the same since. If you can't say that, I got good news for you. There's a gift underneath, and I'm going to use a metaphor. Don't get me on sacrilegion here. But in God the Father's Christmas tree area, there are multiple gifts under there. There's a gift there with your name on it this morning. If you've never placed faith in Jesus Christ, oh, I wish you would take the gift and open it. Your name is on the gift. Don't ignore it. You see, sometimes we get in these positions where we think, well, I, I'm going to go to heaven because I'm a good guy. I'm okay. I've never done anything really wrong. You were born, weren't you? You were born. And if you're just born naturally, the physical birth, you're born in sin. You have a sin nature. You can't get rid of it yourself. It takes somebody else. All the sin of your, I don't know what level it would be, but great, 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 just keep going. Grandfather Adam, all that sin was imputed to you when you were born. You, you, you have no choice but to sin. It's what you're going to do naturally. That's what we normally do until we meet Christ. And then we take all of the righteousness of Christ and we impute that to you. All right. You see, what happens is, you might think you're really good, and you might be better than me. You might be better than a lot of the people in the room, but you're not good enough to get to him without his son. No one is. No one is. 
So we offer you the gift. We offer you to make an exchange today. Sometime along here, would you please make an exchange? We're going to give you opportunity to do that. But I wanted, you to, I wanted to put it in the middle so you would start to think about it. You would say, I've never done what he's talking about. Well, today's the day. Today's the day of salvation. Huh? Every day's the day of salvation. That's why we're here. When he's done with salvation, we'll be gone. When the bride of Christ is complete, we're out of here. That's what we're waiting for. That's why I like witnessing to people. I'm thinking, this might be the one. I get, my, I get my feet ready to get a little jump in the air. Because see, we've all sinned. And we all fall short of the glory of God. And unrighteousness, sinful, has no association with God. None. So he had to send a son. The wonderful gift. Jesus Christ. Now I'm going to talk to you that have accepted him. <laughs> and talk about the exchange. When we accept the gift, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, there is an exchange that takes place. And uh, I want to just share, I say five, but there might be like 10 of them. There's probably 25 or 30 of them. If you study the Bible, you can find a ton of these. These just happen to be some that I landed on. We go from death to life. This morning, if you're here and you don't have Christ, you're dead. You're dead. You have no relationship with God the Father. You're dead. You're, you're, you're alive walking around, but if you don't accept Christ, you're just going to die. And then you're going to really truly die. If you know him, he says you'll never see death. If you don't know him, you're headed to death. You're headed to condemnation. But if you know him, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Huh? That's just one of the exchanges. But you go from death to life. Where do we find that? Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2. Look over in your Bible. We're going we're gonna to pause right there for half a second. I love this passage. It's one of my favorite go-to share the gospel with people passage. Last Sunday night after our concert, I had a young man stand right there Waited for me about 20 minutes to talk to me. Colin. His name was Colin. And I shared this passage with him. And he got saved that night. This is the passage. As for you, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Oh, what condition were you in before Christ? Dead in your trespasses and sins. In which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. The prince of the power of the air is Satan, just so you know. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. Oh, not only were you dead, but you were a child of wrath. Not only were you dead to the Father, but you were facing an eternity of wrath. 
Do you see that? Am I making, did you, are you guys with me? Are you actually looking in your Bibles right now? Please say yes. Even as the rest. So not everybody receives this gift. Not everybody wants the gift. So they just stay in that. They stay under his wrath. They're headed for wrath. It's our job to rescue them. Amen? It's your job, according to 2 Corinthians 5, to be an ambassador, and we're supposed to be snatching men from the fire. If you're here today and you feel warmer than the building, you might be needing the gift. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. Who did it? You? No, God. He's the one that does it. It's his exchange. He's the one that gives the gift. Look what other gift he gave you here. I said I was only going to share five, but there's probably five in this passage alone. Where did I go here? Here we go. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ and raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I went from death to being seated in heavenly places? Yes. How? By being in Christ. Taking the gift. You see the gift exchange? Who is the one doing all the work? You? No, you're not the presenter of the gift. You're the recipient of the gift. You get all these exchanges take place when you accept Jesus Christ. All of them. Every one we're going to talk about happens when you accept him. But if you don't accept him, you get none of them. Zero. You, you're the one that shows up at the Christmas party and there's no gift under the tree for you. But there is a gift under God's tree for you. So that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Look, there's another gift. There's another gift. The gift of faith. You know why? Because you would never accept him on your own. You would never believe in him on your own. You have no part in it. It's all about God. And not as a result of works. So that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Oh my goodness. He's the one who gives you the, the ability to even place faith in Christ. To even, to even walk over and grab the gift from under the tree and bring it over and put it in your lap and unwrap it. He has to give you the ability to do that. Why? So that you can't boast. If you say to me this morning, well, I believed him all on my own. Well, you do believe him on your own. But it's because he gives you the faith to be able to do that. If you could do it yourself, then you could boast. I would be able to tell you who aren't saved in the room, well, I believed and you didn't. You hear the condescending nature of that. I have a condescending voice also. Oh, we must move on. I have so many more here. Number two. When you accept this gift, 
And oh, I want you to accept the gift if you haven't. But when you did, if you have already, you became free from unrighteousness. Did you know that? You're like, well, my life doesn't show that. Well, you better get in the book. Because listen, you're free from sin or unrighteousness to righteousness. You go from sin, I'm chained, I'm um, the ruler of me is the prince of the power of the air. When I got saved, I got a different ruler. I did. Did you? Amen? Amen? Look what he says in, in Romans 6, 18. Romans 6, 18. I'll give you a minute. I won't even give you a minute. I'll give you a few seconds. You know what I find out? The more I read this book, the more I find there's a lot of passages that are my favorite ones. <laughs> you say, how can you have, you can only have one favorite. No, they're all my favorite because they all speak the truth about who we are and what God's done for us. Look at verse 18 there. Having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. You were once a slave to sin. And all of your good acts were like filthy rags before him. And now you've been freed from sin. And now you've got a different thing that is in charge. And it's called righteousness. And you only get that by taking the gift. It's an exchange. I exchange all of my sin for a righteous standing. For righteousness, period. I can live a right life. Not based on my own ability, but on the Holy Spirit living within me. That's another thing you got. You got the Holy Spirit. What else do you get? What else can you exchange? How about your worry and your anxiety? How many of you like to carry that around? Well, I know some of you do because I watch you. And you look like you're carrying something around. Look what he says in Matthew 6, 34. He says, when we give God our worry and anxiety, God gives us his peace. You can exchange worry and anxiety this morning and have peace. Your conditions and whatever's going on in your life may not change, but how you handle it will completely change because you'll have peace. What's he say? Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. How many of you worried about tomorrow? Don't lie. Some of you are. You're worried about getting those gifts wrapped. You need paper. And it's out on a ship somewhere in the bay. <laughs> For tomorrow will worry about itself. Isn't that interesting? Tomorrow's got enough worry on its own. You ain't got to worry about it. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Have you found that to be true? Yeah. Wait a minute. Have you found that to be true the last 19, 20 months? Yeah. Oh, I found it to be real true. First Peter 5, 7, he says, Cast all your anxiety, all your cares on him because he cares for you. This is the exchange you get. This is what you get. I get to cast all my cares on someone greater than me. I get to cast all my anxiety on someone that can actually take care of it. I can sleep at night, except when I have to preach, then I'm anxiety all the time. That's God talking to me. What am I going to say to these people? What am I going to tell them from your word, God? Will you speak through me? Yes, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. 
Listen to this, John 14, 27. I love it. I think I preached this passage already when we were doing the John. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. The world doesn't know what peace even is. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. I give you peace. What do you, if you have peace, what's there to worry about? There is no worry when you have peace. There's no anxiety when you have peace. How do you get this peace? Pray. Right? Where do I find that? Back to Philippians. Philippians 4. Verse 6. Look what he says. He says earlier, rejoice. And again I say rejoice. Let not your heart be troubled. Listen to this. Do not be anxious about anything. Now, you might say, but, well, but God didn't know about my circumstance. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, he did. That's why I had Paul write anything. He didn't say, um, do not be anxious about, the rest of you don't be anxious, but Larry, you can be anxious about things. No, no, no. Do not be anxious about anything. Where does God have you right now, and why? Why does he have you there? If you're anxious about something, why are you anxious? Can't you trust him? Isn't he trustworthy? Haven't you found him to be truthful? Haven't you found him to be trustworthy? Why would you be anxious if he's in control? Doesn't he want what's best for you? He wants what's best for you, and he knows better what it is than you do. How many times have you wanted something, and then later thanked God because you didn't get it? Take you back to your dating days, huh? But in every situation, but in every situation, not some, in every situation, good and bad, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And what happens then? Are you there? Philippians 4. What happens? Peace. Peace comes. And that peace is a peace that surpasses all of your understanding. What trouble are you in today? What trouble are you in today? What are you carrying with you today? Why haven't you made the exchange with God? Why would you carry it? He's as close as a thought away from you. And he's waiting for you. To come to him with thanksgiving and supplication and say, God, I need some help. I want to leave this with you. And look, it says, and the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know why you don't have to carry worry and anxiety? Because you can talk to the Father and leave it with him. You need to make the exchange through prayer. Number four. I've done three already. I'm doing pretty good, actually. I got about a minute and a half to do two. We can do it. Stay with me. It's a whirlwind. When we give God our hurts, God gives us his healing. I'm just going to use these real quick. Psalm 131, uh, verse 1. Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Out of my trouble I cry to you. 
I'm in trouble. I'm hurting. I cry, and he provides healing. What is he saying? What's my passage I love so much? Psalm 50, 15. Call on me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you. I will take you out of your hurts. I'll heal you. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the anger of my foes. With your right hand, you save me. Psalm 138, 7. The Lord is good, a refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust in him. Oh my goodness. Where's that one? That's Nahum 1, 7. Nahum 1, 7. You should memorize it. And look what it, even little Mary, this little, she probably was 15 or 16 years old when she was carrying Christ. And she says this, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. Wow. <laughs> he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. Wow. He comes alongside when we go through hard times. And before you know it, he brings us alongside someone else who is going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. He uses us to minister to each other and comfort one another when we're in hard times. That's out of the Message Bible. That's 2 Corinthians 1.4. I wrote it down because I liked how it said it. He, he comforts us with a comfort that we can then comfort each other with. Last one, number five. When we give God our grief, he rubs our nose in it. Uh-uh. No. When we give him our grief, God gives us his joy. He promised to give us joy. We sing joy to the world. The Lord has come. Are you living like that? Are you living like you've got joy? I hope so. Listen to what he says in Psalm 3011. I love this verse. You turn my wailing, my grief into dancing. I don't even like to dance, and that sounds pretty good to me. I told my cousin Deborah one time, she said, You don't like to dance. I go, No, I don't. She goes, Is that because you can't? I said, I didn't say I couldn't. I said, I don't like to. I can dance. I just don't care to do it. You remove my sackcloth and clothe me with joy. Man, took me out of sackcloth and clothed me with his joy. Wow. His anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Woo. Weeping may stay for the night, but all oh, the morning comes and rejoicing comes in the morning. Psalm 30, verse 5. And he said there in John 16, 20, you will grieve. You will grieve, he said, but your grief will turn to joy. You're grieving. You disciples, I'm going to go die on a cross, and you're going to grieve. But oh, I'm coming back, and then there'll be joy from then on. Listen to what the angel said to him. 
But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Not just the Jewish nation, all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. And he is Christ the Lord. Luke 2.10. And then this final one. Isaiah 61.3. He said, He will give beauty for ashes. Joy instead of mourning. Praise instead of despair. Oh, there's so many of them, people. But you have to stop and consider it. You have to stop and consider it. Think about it. We do not want you to be ignorant about those who have fallen asleep. They're with the Lord. Encourage one another with these words. You mean even death can't stop it? No, he's conquered death. That's another one. Okay, so we say all of these things. And there's so many more. So many more. But here's the key. The gift has to be received. Or it does no good. You could buy me the perfect gift that I desperately need. But if I never get the gift, I never receive it, I never open it, what good would the gift do me? The gift has to be received. And guess what? It is available to you. It's available to everyone right now, this morning. But one thing God won't do, he won't force it on you. You have to receive it. You have to exercise the faith that we spoke about earlier in Ephesians that he might have given you. And we hope he gave it to you. You have to take the package, open the gift, and accept it as your own. We individually have to make the decision to receive Jesus Christ into our lives, make him our Lord and Savior. And you can only do that by his gift of faith. Listen to this. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not out of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. That could be you this morning. Perhaps you're sitting here this morning and you say, well, I opened that gift a long time ago. Years ago. But lately... I haven't been paying a lot of attention to the gift. I put it on a shelf. I walk by it, but I don't... It's like putting your Bible, you know, the dashboard Christian. You throw your Bible in the dashboard so that you know where it's at next Sunday when you come to church, right? But you've got this gift in Jesus Christ and you've placed him on a shelf. And some of you may have even placed him on a shelf out in the garage or maybe up in the attic. I don't know where you're at with that. You've been too busy or too distracted and, and there's been a lot of distractions lately. Or you're, or you're too hurt and there's been a lot of hurting going on in our nation. You're just too busy, too hurt, too, too distracted to give Christ the attention you, that, that you know he deserves. Why isn't he Lord of your life? Or perhaps you're with us this morning, either watching online or in the building right now. And your gift's still under the tree. 
It's wrapped. It's ready to be opened. It's got your name on it. My plea for you is that you don't leave here this morning. Either get him off the shelf or get to the tree and get the gift with your name on it. This will be the biggest decision you make ever. If you leave here this morning saying, I don't want that, Pastor, it's good for you. You need the crutch. You need a crutch. That's why you believe that, Pastor. Oh, you're right, and you need a crutch too. But if you leave here today and you say, I reject it. I don't want it. It's the biggest decision you'll ever make if you reject him. But guess what? If you accept him, it's also the biggest decision you'll ever make. Either way, it's a big decision. And it has everlasting, everlasting eternal results, the decision. Don't leave here without considering the gift. Don't leave here without considering the gift. I'm going to be right down here. I'll be right down here if you want to talk about it. I'd love to talk to you. I'd love, I would love nothing more than at this Christmas season for you to get to know the Christ child. Amen. The God-man. The one who died for your sins. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for the truth he was not just an ordinary baby. He was ordinary in the fact that he took on a body, but there was so much different by him. And through his life, we've all come to know you based on what he did. Thank you for the gift. Thank you for the willingness that you and the Son and the Holy Spirit agreed to do a gift exchange with humanity. We love you this morning. Happy birthday, Jesus. Merry Christmas to all of you in his name. Amen.